Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4 nothing ball game. Welcome. Welcome to the Batters Box. My name is Dave Quadrelli. I am not joined today by my regular co-host Mike Liu, but I am joined by a very special guest. Former Kansas City Royals prospect and North Vancouver-born right-handed pitcher Brandon Markland is joining the show today. I pre-recorded that interview, so we'll get to it in a second here, but I wanted to quickly preface this by saying that Yes, we pre-recorded this interview, but if you're a young pitcher or you're a parent of a young pitcher listening to this episode, I really want you to listen to what Brandon has to say about what pitchers can learn from batters. I found that to be a really interesting part of the interview. Brandon talks about his very up-and-down professional career to this point. He's been affected by the pandemic. He's been affected by multiple arm injuries that he's hoping to finally put in the rearview mirror, but he's lost a lot of time because of that. So he's going to talk about that. We talk about that and much more. I get in a Bryce Eldridge question because I can't stop talking about him. So here is the interview with Brandon Markland. All right, very pleased to be joined now by Brandon Markland, North Vancouver's very own Canucks fan, big Canucks fan. You were going to do a post-press conference in a Louis Erickson jersey. That was something that you and I had talked about at one point. Brandon, how's it going? <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, no, I mean, I... Uh... Hopefully one day we can still make that happen. Have the uh, Louis Erickson uh, jersey for the uh, fit to the field one day. So that's right. So for those that don't know your story, I'm going to provide a little bit of background because your professional baseball career to this point has been very up and down. You were obviously affected by the pandemic. We'll talk about that and much more. But quickly, I'll just break this down. Canadian-born right-hander uh, Brian College is where you played your first season at the age of 21. That college produced about six other minor league players, I think. I can't name them all off the top of my head. But um, you went undrafted, and then after that, you went to the Coastal Plain League, headed to New Zealand, and you played for Auckland. How do you say that? Tua Tuatara? You must know. How do you say that in the Australian Baseball League? Yeah, Tuatara. Tuatara. Okay, so you, you pitched yeah. there, and there you were a reliever, and that's where you started to get discovered by big league ball clubs. 96-mile-per-hour fastball uh, impressed several teams, and this included the Royals. So can you kind of walk me through this? Because I read somewhere else that Tuatara wanted to sign you, but you were also getting interest from big league ball clubs. So let's start there. Let's start with how you start to know you're getting interest from big league ball clubs and what kind of goes into the decision to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to go 
the route. Uh, you eventually sign with the Royals, but what goes into the decision to say, okay, you know what, I'm going to go to the Major League Baseball, pro- Minor League Baseball system rather than the Australian Baseball League? Yeah, so I mean, thankfully, uh, I have a, a really good agent, uh, Rob Cope, who uh, who helps me out a lot with you know communicating to um, either you know affiliate teams or independent ball teams um, who are looking for guys and you know, kind of uh, get my name out there and um, you know kind of share some what I've been doing um, either in college or uh, in winter ball and stuff. So you know he does a great job on that front. Um, but yeah, we were in. Probably, I think it was the eighth or ninth week of the ABL season. Uh, we were in Sydney um, playing the Blue Sox there. And at the same time that we were playing our games on the weekend, uh, there was like a, a national uh, high school tournament <laughs> going on. Um, so, you know, all the Australia scouts and uh, the Pacific Rim scouts of these major league teams would, you know, come to this tournament, check out. Uh, the, the high school talent in Australia. Um, so I was getting, you know, ready to come in uh, <clears throat> for relief of Josh Colmenter, who was uh, an ex-big leaguer who was on our team. Uh, he started uh, started the game, I think it was a, it was a Saturday, maybe. And you know, so there were a couple of scouts in attendance to watch him, you know, potentially outside him. I was involved. Um so I come in and um, you know, I have a, a fairly good couple of innings and you know, end up, you know, flashing a 96. And um, <clears throat> so, you know, game goes well. I think we end up winning that one. Um, and the next day, um, you know, before the game, you know, our manager, uh, Steve Mintz, who is the uh, high Wood Ducks, down east Wood Ducks uh, pitching coach, which is uh, the high A team for the Texas Rangers, um, and he expressed that, you know, there were, you know, a couple scouts that approached him and said, hey, you know, they like what they saw. They like the numbers from this year. You know, you can be interested in signing. And, you know, I, I expressed that, you know, yeah, um, that was the main goal of coming, you know, coming down to the ABL um, to, you know, kind of show MLB teams that, you know, the good numbers that I put up either in the summer league before or even my senior year in college, you know, weren't just a fluke. Um, and that, you know, I consider myself a bit of a late bloomer. Um, but that, you know, I could pitch. I could pitch against you know, good talent at a, you know, at a minor league level at least and show that, you know, I had um, at least major league stuff that, you know, projected you know, in the big leagues. Uh, so <clears throat> we get done or we get to start uh, that Sunday game. And I got it off because I threw the night before. So I'm walking, you know, mid-game from the bullpen to the dugout. And, you know, I hear, uh, hey, hey, Brandon. And I'm just thinking it's a fan or whatever. And I kind of take a look and um guy has his outreach hand trying to shake my hand mid-game. Uh, Neil Burke, who is a, uh, or who still is, rather, a scout for the Kansas City Royals. And said, hey, Neil, Neil Burke, you know, Kansas City Royals. I saw you know, here last night. really liked what I saw. You know, do you think we could talk after the game? I go, yeah, no, of course, no. So, game ends up going, game finishing. You know, I'm, I'm fairly excited because, you know, I'm about to go talk to, uh, you know, Royal Scout. And, you know, I pack up my stuff and, we're, you know, we're getting ready to head back to the hotel. And I'm kind of lingering by the field. And I'm looking around and, you know, um, 
I forget his name, but a San Francisco Giants scout ends up coming up to me and you know, gives me his business card and says, yeah, you know, we'll keep in touch, you know, you know we're, we're fairly interested in you as well. Yeah, yeah, yada. And he leaves, and I'm still kind of standing there, and, you know, I'm, I'm looking for Leo, and I, I don't see him. And uh, I go, oh, okay, well, I guess, you know, he had to take off, whatever. It's not a big deal. I've got other teams that are interested. So we end up leaving. Um, go back to the hotel, and I think the next day we had a flight to Melbourne, which was our uh, last and final um, uh, series on the year. And so I'm at the hotel, and I'm actually getting ready to actually go home. I think about it. Team was going to Melbourne. I was flying back to Auckland to pick up my stuff, then fly to Vancouver, then fly to Atlanta because I had a uh, a workout in front of some uh, MLB scouts that Rob, my agent, had set up for me. <clears throat> so, you know, I'm getting my stuff ready, and I kind of get a knock on the door, and it's one of my teammates. Um, I think it was Daniel Lyle Hunt. And uh, he goes, hey, I just got the phone from Neil. He, uh, sorry, he, he said he sorry he missed you after the, after the game and stuff, but you know, he just gave me a call. He was actually the scout that signed me when I was at Braves. Um, he just did, here's his number, give him a call. So I ended up giving Neil a call, and you know, he apologized. Hey, you know, sorry, Brandon. I thought he talked to the Giants scout, and I didn't want to you know, kind of tip my hand that we were all so interested in you, so I thought I'd just reach out and kind of give you a phone call. Uh, yeah, so from there, you know, I flew back to Auckland, had a couple of days where um, I could, you know, kind of gather my things before my flight to Vancouver. So then I, I <clears throat> am talking to my agent, talking to other teams, talking to Neil, um, get a phone call from the Royals uh, Pacific Rim coordinator, Phil Dale. You know, hey, Brandon, you know, really interested in you, you know, where your plans next couple of days. I love to know about the, um, about the workouts in Atlanta and stuff. Okay. You know, you just, you know, hang by your phone, keep in touch. Yeah. He starts communicating with, you know, Rob and, you know, so nothing kind of happens in those couple of days. I fly back home and then, you know, within the next day of me being home, uh, Rob and Phil and, uh, they end up getting the deal done and, you know, Rob asked me, hey, Brandon, you want to be a Kansas City Royal? And I said, yeah, I know for sure. Let's, uh, let's sign that contract. So we ended up doing that. And uh, I think about three, four days later, uh, the Royals are actually putting on um, a first-time orientation camp for their previous years, the 2018 draft class in Kansas City, where um, the Royals have a big fan fest that they do downtown so we went to that got to train at uh, the urban youth academy um yeah and that was kind of my quick little introduction to the organization and then later that year uh that was january so later that year we ended up going uh down for spring training and that's when i kind of started my uh professional baseball career and you went down to lexington low a lexington and you posted Ridic- I, I'd call them ridiculous. Ridiculous numbers. 0.46 ERA. Struck out 44 batters through 39 innings pitched. Allowed just seven runs, two of which were earned, so your defense wasn't doing much help for you there, but we'll, uh, we won't put them on blast right now. So with Lexington in 2019, if people look at your baseball reference 
they'll see a big gap from 2019, your age 23 season, to 2023 right now where you just pitched with Winnipeg. Just tell the listeners what happened in the years between Lexington and Winnipeg at your age 27 season. So, yeah, um, so I finished my Lexington season um, in September, and then uh, about six weeks later, um, I got to you know be a part of Team Canada and go participate in Premier 12 over in Seoul, South Korea, which was a really cool experience. Um, we got to play in Japan, too, and against Japan for a couple exhibition games in Okinawa, which was really awesome. Um, so after that, my uh, off-season started about, you know, second week of November. Yeah, took, you know, the regular amount of time off and started ramping up for the 2020 spring training and 2020 season. And, you know, arm just wasn't feeling as sharp as you know, it usually would. And I thought, you know, it's just me getting back into throwing getting you know building up and stuff but you know it's kind of lingering kind of lingering so i end up you know going down a little bit early spring training get actually no that's not right back that up so i end up going i actually feel really good actually going into my 20 20 spring training um go down for spring regularly you know get ready um things are going well right obviously there's small talk about you know, what's going over on Wuhan. And, you know, we're, we think we're fine. We're getting ready. You know, I ended up throwing, a, you know, a couple bullpens and a live BP to where, you know, elbow's just not really feeling good. Um, so, you know, I communicate that with the trainers before the shutdown. I ended up getting MRI and ends up showing that I have a, a, a little uh, flexor strain in my forearm. So, you know, no big deal. So um, I ended up doing rehab. Um, for that, just, you know, conservative, um, just take some time off throwing, take some time off working out with it, my right arm. And then uh, <clears throat> I get cleared from that. I end up going back to my college, you know, just kind of hang out in the U.S. to, you know, just get some extra games in, get some disruption. You know, thankfully they were allowing me to, you know, participate in, um, you know, just, fall workouts and squads and stuff so I can get working. Um, you know, keep pitching through that. <clears throat> Elbow starts barking again near the end of that. I let the team know, girls know, and it's okay, you know, to shut down for the off season. So I do that, give myself a full off season, you know, I think I'm good. You know, and then in twenty twenty one, you know, as I was saying before, I was getting ready, you know, elbows, you know, was still barking, wasn't feeling good. So I ended up coming down early for spring training. Um, get an MRI, uh, flexor strain again. Um, the doctor explained, you know, typically, you know, if you have these reoccurring strains that, you know, even though the UCL, your, um, ligament, your elbow looks good in the MRI, you know, it could be something that we're not seeing that, you know, it's a very mobile joint. So sometimes you don't always see the issue until, you know, you get in there, you know, and MRIs are very static, you know, look, um, at the whole anatomy of your, you know, wherever you're getting screened. So, uh, that, you know, you're probably going to have to go in there and check the ligament out. And they have to, you know, do Tommy John or not. So we'll see. So get in there. And, um, yeah, it turns out I do need TJ. I ended up having TJ in 2021. I rehab the entire year. Um, and, you know, we, we do all our, our rehab at the, uh, the spring training facility. 
um, whoever you know, their respective club has been training. So I was in Surprise, Arizona, doing rehab, um, you know, feeling good, been through just that process. Um, <clears throat> so then you come back down for spring of 2022. Um, you know, I'm gearing up. I'm still in rehab, doing my bullpen, getting my live VPs, great base hitters. And, you know, arm was kind of barking again, starting feeling good. He's kind of having a little loss of control. Um, so I ended up getting, I shut down, ended up getting another MRI and uh, ends up being, um, you know, a flexor tear to where they have to uh, repair the, uh, the muscle uh, surgically. Uh, so I end up doing that. Because of the time frame, they end up putting the internal brace on my UCL. Uh, which is the other way you could do TJ. You know, it's going to be the same length of time. So, you know, ligament looked good, but, you know, doctors thought it was best, you know, hey, we can, you know, reinforce it um, even more. And so that ends up shutting me down for the 2022 season as well. So I get through that rehab. Um, I get the April 2023 cleared from rehab. A um, couple of, you know, thankfully this time, everything worked, everything feels good. Um, get cleared from rehab, get back into a couple games, uh, and then I end up getting released by the organization. Um, so I have, you know, kind of looking at options, you know, go play affiliate ball again or indie ball. And, you know, um, through the counsel of my agent stuff, we kind of figured out it was best to kind of go back into indie ball, you know, try to get some of my velocity back. I was still hovering around, you know, 88, 90, 91. So I end up going to Winnipeg. Um, where, you know, I get into some games, I'm, you know, not doing, not, not really finding that consistent, you know, action, um, and velocity and, you know, just not consistently in the zone enough uh, as I was pre-surgery, which granted at this time, you know, I've been in maybe three, three live games, A, for the first time since 2019. Um, and then B, you know, I end up, really getting to throw like a normal pitcher again for the first time to where, you know, in rehab, it's very scripted, right? If you have X amount of throws at X amount of distance for, you know, you know, this time. All right. So I'm back at, you know, a, a team atmosphere game scheduled where, you know, I get to dictate my own throwing. Um, and, you know, the, volume is a little more intense. So, you know, I, I'm having a whole lot of, you know, almost learning on the fly, um, again, on how to, on how to pitch. Um, and, you know, the American Association, which, the, which uh, where Winnipeg is in, you know, is a good league with, you know, hitters ranging from, you know, <clears throat> rookie ball to, you know, ex-big leaders and stuff. So, yeah, I just had a little bit of struggle, you know, putting it all together and um, ended up getting released about a week ago or two, but, you know, it was, you know, just to be able to step back on a game mound with fans, um, you know, after going through that, you know, two, three-year rehab process, you know, you know, made that whole, you know, process worth it. You know, those long days in, you know, July when, you know, all I can do is grip 25% of the weight because, you know, that's where I'm at in my process. Um, you know, I obviously didn't have the results that I wanted to in Winnipeg. Um, 
you know, I'm very grateful for, you know, the gold eyes and, uh, uh, you know, just them allowing me to get back into it, you know, get my feet wet, try to help me out to get my crew back, uh, in the full swing of things. And, you know, I've definitely had a lot of, uh, you know, valuable lessons learned that I know are only going to prepare me uh, as I kind of gear up for uh, the 2024 season. And that, that that's the thing, right, is everybody's kind of looking at this and just very thankful that you're happy uh, and healthy because, look, like, between 2019 and the 2023 season, you've got the pandemic. Obviously, you've got the injuries and the rehab that you just kind of documented there. Like, that's four years gone where... You could have been pitching and you could have been pitching, you know, still in your kind of early to mid 20s, getting your feet wet in the minors at that age. So you kind of lost all those. But now you're you're kind of looking at it from the view of, OK, well, I, I went to Winnipeg and I learned some things there and now you've kind of got your feet wet. So what's next for you in the 2024 season? Like you're healthy, right, which is the most important thing. Are you kind of taking a step back and looking at it and saying, OK, like, I need to make a calculated decision here. Like, like, what are you looking at for 2024? Yeah, no, I think the, the biggest thing for me is, you know, um, you know, they, they always say that the, you know, with the rehab process, especially with uh, Tommy John, that, you know, you have your, your year-long rehab, go back to pitching a little bit, take off full off-season, and then you get back. Um, ready for that following year. So it ends up almost being a two-year process to where, you know, that's where things start feeling like your old self, your velocity comes back, you know, you're feeling really good. Um, so I'm kind of right now in that, you know, off-season uh, shutdown, you know, stage. And, you know, I think I owe it to myself to, you know, train this whole off-season, try to get my velocity back. Um, if it does come back, you know, hopefully sign with an affiliate ball team. Um, maybe, you know, independent ball too, and, you know, try to get my numbers better back, um, with any ball too, and, you know, try to sign out of there. But yeah, you know, I think I kind of, you know, I'm still in that process, you know, kind of two year window with rehab where it's like, you know, um, I could call it a career at this point, but I also think I owe it to myself given the, you know, how, you know, much I've had to work over the past couple of years just to get healthy again. You know, I think I owe it to myself to at least try to you know, get the velocity back and get back to my old pitching form and, um, you know, get back with, a, with an affiliate club. What's that process like of getting your velocity back? Like, like, and I know you're kind of in the process, so it's kind of hard to to give a straight answer, but like, have you gotten any advice from anybody who's been through something similar in the past where, you know, you, you want to get that velocity back, you want to get your control back, all that sort of stuff post surgery. Like what's that process like for you? Yeah. So I've been able to reach out to, you know, some guys, um, that I did my, you know, rehab with, um, you know, you know, Peyton Gray is with the Milwaukee Milkmen of the uh, American association who, you know, was uh, doing TJ for or his first time. Uh, I was doing it. We were, you know, roommates together and, you know, he was in kind of a similar boat where, you know, his deal kind of, you know, low nineties didn't really come back. And then, you know, he had a full off season, came back pitching again. And, um, you know, his deal was, you know, mid nineties and, 
you know, he just named the all-star in the American Association. And, you know, he's, I got actually, he was in Winnipeg uh, a couple weeks ago. So I ended up got to see him pitch there. And, you know, he looks night and day. Um, you know, I think a lot of it is, you know, you're already doing a lot of the right things in the rehab process. Um, you continue to do those things. And really it's just a, you know, a maturation of your scar, your muscle, your ligament, uh, tendons, you know, and, and just your body getting used to throwing at that high intensity and volume um, again. So, I'm, so it's kind of hard because a part of it is, you know, a, such a time-based thing, but it's not so much a waiting game to where you're helpless. You know, you can, you got to work out the right stuff. You got to, you know, make sure you're flexible, you're, you know, strong, you're powerful and all that. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things you can be doing, um, while you kind of wait for those, you know, for that time to keep passing on by, um, because, you know, there, you know, there are times where even in Winnipeg where I'm pitching and I, you know, I feel like I'm throwing the ball really well, come out really well, good arm speed, good arm action, everything. And ends up, you know, just being 90 or 91 where, you know, it just doesn't feel like it's coming out the same. And I think that a lot of that is just the, you know, the whole maturation process of, you know, just biologically getting your body used to pitching again, getting the ligaments, and, you know, there's lack of better, you know, term, my ligament that I had reconstructed in 21 is now only two years old, <laughs> mm. you know, plus it got reopened, attached with, you know, a, um, a collagen dip fiber, which is the internal ligament. So I had, you know, not trauma to the actual ligament, but more of a healing process. So, you know, you could say my ligament a year to two years old right now. Um, and, you know, it takes time, <laughs> basically, right? You know, mm-hmm. if any injury, you know, um, you know, guys, you know, have ACLs or MCLs or, you know, and they get, seriously repaired, you know, it always feels like they've lost that step, you know, at least that we sometimes see, you know, when we watch hockey games, we're, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I remember this guy being, you know, really quick. And then he comes back, you know, as you know, knee surgery, hip surgery, anything lower body, and they're, you know, that when they're first back, they're just like, yeah, they just don't seem to, you know, have their legs under them, you know, that first step as they used to. And then uh, over time, you start seeing, okay, that's when it really, you know, hey, they got quick, they're even quicker, right? You know, they're getting used to their, you know, surgically repaired knee, hip, you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah, you know, it just takes time, takes reps, you know, high-volume reps, game reps. And, um, yeah, so, you know, like I said, it's a time-based thing, but there's a lot you can do within that time frame um, to get you to where you want to be. Okay, so – as as we kind of close out here, because I wanna I wanna ask you a few more questions about uh, just general baseball stuff, but I, I want to ask you about this American Association that you just pitched in. I was just poking around. Odubel Herrera, Keon Broxton, Delino DeShields, just three names I found of former big leaguers who are playing in this league. So you weren't kidding when you said that this is a good league. Who was the toughest hitter you faced in this league, and was it one of those three I just mentioned? Ah, uh, let's see. Try to think. When we were in Kansas City, I didn't get to face um, Carrera, unfortunately. 
Uh, got to see him, obviously. Um, didn't see Cleveland when um, the Shield was there. I'm try- I can't think of any off the top of my head because I only had about, you know, 11 innings. Um, there's 13 innings in my, you know, two and a half months there and stuff. Um, but I will tell you what there is. Uh, we have a hitter, our, the Winnipeg uh, three-hole, Max Murphy. Um, and he was up to AAA with, I think, either both the Twins and the D-backs or just the D-backs. And he's been in um, the American for a couple of years with St. Paul and uh, Winnipeg. And um, he was the... Uh, I guess MVP of the league last year. And, you know, he's definitely a guy that if I ever did have the chance to face, you know, he'd probably be one of the toughest hitters by far. Um, I forget what it was last year, but he had like 30 home runs, hitting 280, 290, maybe 300, you know, just, you know, absolutely lethal. <laughs> 308 um, average yeah. for Max Murphy last year. So you were not kidding. Was that, it? Guy yeah. could, that guy could absolutely rake, and he deservingly so yeah. won MVP last year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 30 bombs, and um, yeah, you know, just ball kind of just um, comes off the bat, you know, a little bit differently. I guess say that when you, know, you see a real good hitter, it just kind of flies off their bat. And yeah, yeah, same thing when he gets into one, you know, it goes, it goes far away. So, you know, Luckily, never had to face him. He was on our team, but he's definitely probably one of the most fun hitters to watch. How much do you think a pitcher can learn at any level, really? This is more for the youth baseball players or any level. How much do you think a pitcher can learn from talking to hitters, like on their team and just trying to pick hitters' brains? Like, how much can a pitcher learn? I think quite a bit because, you know, it's probably a biased notion, but, you know, as a pitcher... You know, I think of uh, hitting and pitching, you know, in different ways than a hitter is going to think about hitting or pitching. And not so much as if, you know, if I was in the box, what would I do? Because, I mean, I stopped hitting when I was like 16 or 17. So I wasn't very good at it. Um, so, you know, it's actually talk to someone who, you know, is good at their craft. And especially someone who's really, really good. Um, they typically view things a little bit differently um so you end up so like i mean you can you and i can sit here and talk pitching you know want or you know hitting all we want but when you talk to the guys that are you know you know the, not, not even just the best in their um league or best in their team or whatever but you know just really good hitters like they have different nuances that you know there's things that you may not think about um even like, you know, when I'm pitching and I'm, I'm in bullpens and stuff and you have coaches with you, um, and we all know, you know, as you grow up, you have a, a hundred different coaches usually telling you a hundred different things. Um, but, you know, you're always looking for that one thing that's nuanced in a different way um, that just clicks in your mind. Like, you know, you and your you know pitching coach, you and your hitting coach could be, you know, talking about the exact same thing but your button heads because you don't realize it you know well one guy can say you know sit in your backside more and another guy's going to say hey you know, be stacked more you know in reality those are definitely the same things and the same like cues but they're just nuanced differently you know and then there's some hitters that stay back make or some pitchers that stay back makes more sense and some you know stay stacked makes more sense 
But I think when you talk to hitters, you know, who are really good in their craft, you know, you can pick up on some nuances that you as a pitcher wouldn't necessarily um, think of. Um, and I think it helps too that, you know, you may be seeing one thing with a hitter and the hitter will tell you like, yeah, I actually do that to bait the pitcher into throwing that same pitch. So like, I know some guys who will look really bad on the first, you know, off speed in the dirt and, or like really bad, you know, the off speed in the zone. So, you know, if you're, you know, a good enough hit or a good enough pitcher and, you know, hitter's track record like okay well he can actually hit this pitch really well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna throw it again but you know if you're you know a a younger level and you know i I saw this in the lower minor leagues a lot to where you know they're younger guys that if you know you make a guy look really bad on a curveball or a slider you're gonna go back to that pitch um and it typically, or at least sometimes, I've seen it to where it was actually the hitter, you know, baiting the pitcher to yeah. throw that same pitch again. Yeah, and that's not really something that you think about as a pitcher, and especially you know with <clears throat> the pitch clock and stuff, everything's going a lot quicker, and you got to make decisions a lot quicker. Or trust your catcher, you know, instantaneously, and you know you, you sometimes don't even have that thought process of like, okay, that guy just swung a really bad curveball. You know, we almost have that second where you're like, wait a second, this guy's hitting 360 off breaking pitches. Why would I throw that again? He clearly, you know, if you just took a bad swing, it doesn't mean, right? So it's, uh, I think, yeah, you can pick up little things from, you know, the people that are really good at their craft that, you know, they're really good at their craft for a reason. Damn, I have not, not once at any level have I ever heard of a, of a batter trying to bait a pitcher by having an intentionally bad swing at an off-speed pitch. That is that is crazy. That is really good insight. And yeah, that's one of the things that it feels like, among many other things, that you can learn uh, on your path to the big leagues. I want to ask you about minor league baseball. What what was life in the minors like? Like like walk me through everything. What was the like? Where would you? Where were you living? What uh, what was the food like? All that sort of stuff. Because we've obviously heard the nightmares. We've heard the horror stories from minor league baseball. But what was your experience like in minor league baseball? Yeah. So thankfully, you know, the Royals take really good care of their minor leaguers, and you know, they provide you you know a lot of gear, a lot of stuff. You know, they make sure. You know, you're in a, a good living situation, all that stuff. Um, back in 19, like, you know, before the MILB, you know, kind of unionized, um, it was a lot different. Like, team didn't have to provide you housing. They they provide you housing options that you could stay at. Now, I'm sure, you know, they're probably at a little bit more of a reasonable rate. Um, but, you know, so I was late coming to Lexington because I was in extended spring um, for the first little bit. So I ended up getting there in the middle of May or early May. And obviously everyone, you know, at the end of spring training um, will get, you know, some guys together because, you know, rosters get announced. Everyone knows where they're going. They go, hey, you know, you guys want to room together. We'll go find a place. Yada, yada, yada. So we end up getting about three days. Once you get to a team, you get about three days to – you know, find a place to stay. They'll put you up in a hotel for a couple, but then after that, you know, you got to pay for that hotel, which ends up being very, very expensive, or, you know, you can find someone on the team to, you know, go live with. So you kind of look at the options. 
Um, so I end up living um, in an apartment that's you know already kind of full, um, and I end up sleeping on a mattress in the dining room kitchen area uh, for probably the, the second half of the season, which, you know, for me was, it, I had no problem with it. It was perfectly fine. And, you know, we, the way we did rent, um, it ended up being a little bit cheaper for me to do that. And I was like, oh yeah, I want to save money. But yeah, so we probably had, you know, a couple extra guys in a, in the apartment, um, you know, just so that guys, I mean, also as well, when you get there, they usually want you to find a five or six month lease. So it's not like you can go find a new place with some new guys in the middle of May and they'd be, Hey, can we sign a four month lease? I'm like, Oh, no, you got to sign a six. And then all of a sudden you're paying for a, an apartment that you can't stay at in October, November, because you know, you're, the season's done, you're going back home. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the, thankfully, you know, our clubby um, was really good. Um, you know, he, uh, big, big, uh, Philadelphia, uh, Flyers fan. Uh, so I'd always get to talk to him about that. We always go watch games when uh, the Canucks and Flyers would play each other in like the fall or in spring. But, uh, um, yeah, Maddie was really good. You know, he would, uh, barbecue and cook, uh, pregame for us every, you know, couple times during a homestand. And, you know, he always went, um, uh, did more than, you know, necessary, I'd say. He was really good. Um, so, yeah, thankfully, you know, I didn't have any minor league horror stories. Um, and obviously, it's better now uh, than it used to be, you know, because you get, you know, pretty good buses and stuff. Um, when we were in the, the South Atlantic League, the travel was, you know, a little bit far, especially for us in Lexington. Um we go that like we go to Augusta and that end up being like an eight hour trip. Um, you know, it, I'd say the shortest trip we had was probably five hours, Damn. which, you know, yeah, which, you know, in baseball terms, I'm trying to think like, yeah, that's you know, pretty good. Cause even in Winnipeg, like we were, you know, us or Cleburne in Texas probably had the worst travel and our shortest trip was also five hours. So, you know, kind of used to it. Um, but yeah, for the average person, I mean, a five hour bus trips, <laughs> a hell of a long time to be on bus. That is, that is quite something. So, okay. So, so we talked about the living, all that sort of stuff. What's the training regimen like? Like, like what is, you know, are, are you given workouts? Are you given things to work on? Like, like walk me through what a minor league baseball player goes through in terms of training and, you know, in season adjustments and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so obviously it's a little different for position players and starters and relievers, so I'll just kind of <clears throat> give a, a reliever perspective. But typically you would, um, like you, your, your workout plan is strength coach, uh, strength coach with you, um, physiotherapist that's with you, um, and then the coaching staff and the clubby. So, you know, for say a typical week, you know, you try to get at least two lifts in, um, sometimes a third if, you know, you're a guy that likes, likes to work out. Um, we do a couple of days of conditioning, you know, nothing crazy because you know, you're, you're in season and the majority of your running and conditioning should probably be done in the off season, you know, when that baseball workload isn't really high. Um, so we were doing, you know, some running, some conditioning, but you know, nothing ever, nothing, uh, ever crazy <clears throat> just so you can keep your, 
you know, legs underneath you and you know, still, you know, be fresh for the game. Uh, but yeah, typically, you know, if you're a workout, you, you could get to the field about one thirty-two, get your lift in, um, stretchery pitchers would stretch at like three thirty. Uh, we'd stretch, throw, um, shag BP, and then we kind of chill for about 90 minutes um, before the game, got your game. Um, and then you pitch that night, um, yeah, that's kind of like your, you know, probably your busiest day you'll get when you work out and pitch at the same time. But, you know, by this time of the year that, you know, you're so well conditioned that you, know, you can lift at two o'clock and still pitch at night, you mm. know, <clears throat> um, you know, we're not doing like crazy workouts either. It's just, you know, maintain, you know, you get a little bit of, you know, strength, keep that power, you know, try, try to stay at a you know, peak um, performance um, the best you can. Um and yeah, so like typically that was like the home schedule, you know, really easy to have your own weight room. So you can, you know, get your work in on the road. We usually have to go find gyms, um, just local gyms. And usually we do like a lift bus, like 8 a.m., 9 a.m., a little earlier. So you can come back, eat, have breakfast, chill a little bit, then head to the field. Um, and also, you know, as a reliever, you know, sometimes you say you get in, say, Monday night. Um, you know, say you have a decent workload, 30, 40 pitches, a couple of innings, to where, you know, you're probably shut down for a couple of days. <clears throat> so, you, know, you can get your lifts in and stuff like that. But also, you can, uh, before batting practice, you typically can get, like, a light bullpen in, you know, a light side, just a couple of pitches off the mound, just to kind of stay fresh. So, you know, during, obviously, your catch play, you know, you're working on different things. Um, you know, you're breaking pitches, you're off speed, your fastball, you know, you're always you're making the most out of each throw. Um, but then, you know, if you have some time, you can always, um, you know, get a, a couple pitches off the mound just to kind of feel, you know, slope. Um, you know, because, you know, you can do so much on a flat ground, but, you know, once you step up on an inclined surface, you know, it, it's, it's not the same at all. We'll sometimes need those extra reps. Um, yeah, you know, you know, fairly laid back, you know, obviously, that, like I said, you have your strength coach to make sure you get lifts in, um, your PT to make sure you know, you're getting your, your smaller rotator cuff and, you know, prehab type exercises still in. Um, and yeah, you know, you kind of, you know, get your work in around the games, make sure you're ready for the game. Um, and even back then too, uh, they didn't. We didn't have as many off days as you know the minor league has now. I think they get every Monday off, and then they do week long series. Mm. To where, for us, we would usually. I mean, I remember one time where we went twenty three straight days without an off day. <laughs> and now, like in there, you have you'll have day games and travel days. To yeah. Where like you know, if you're playing on a Sunday, you play at one, and then. Sometimes that next Monday game will be a home game, so you don't travel. So like you kind of get a little bit of extended time off. Usually those, you know, one o'clock games end up being getaway days, where you play a game, you're done by four, and then you're back on the road at five. You know, and you're going to the next city that's two, three, maybe four hours away, depending where you know you're at um, in the year and in the schedule. So yeah, yeah, it's very like you know get your work in, 
not on the fly. Um, but like, you know, you got your games to do, you got your throwing to do, um, and kind of all like apart from kind of those two, you know, arrival time, um, you know, you got to make sure you get your, your lifting in and stuff. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So you've just illustrated to me a pretty busy schedule, right? And that, that's for a relief pitcher, and you said it's different for every player. This is a conversation that we have had on recent episodes with the draft having just happened. I'm not sure if you know the name Bryce Eldridge. Two-way player went in the first round to the Giants, and while everybody's kind of saying, like, oh, he's the next Shoei Otani, he could be the next Shoei Otani because everybody's excited about the two-way player status, I kind of thought about what I know of the minor league system and what you've kind of just reinforced for me. From your perspective, and I know it's hard because you've only done the relief pitcher workouts, but that's one more workout than I've ever done, and I have a strong take on this. From your perspective, how hard is it for a player who's only 18 years old right now to come up through the minor league system as a two-way player? Like, like in terms of how busy your schedule is and also what it could mean if he struggles at one one area and they want to say, okay, you know what, we want you to focus just on pitching or just on batting or whatever it is. Like, how hard is it going to be for a player to go through the minor league system and keep up their development as both a position player and a pitcher? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, obviously he's a tremendous talent to get, you know, taken in the first round, you know, as a high schooler. Um, I, I think it's really tough just in general to be that young and to do, you know, minor league baseball. Um I mean, heck, I even remember in 19, um, when I first signed, I think I was 22, I think. And, you know, I'm in a room with a bunch of, you know, grown men who are you know, 26, 27, and, um, you know, in the higher levels than I was, obviously. But, you know, you know, they're all really good at their craft, and you know, they're older. They've done this a lot longer than I have. They've, you know, We've all done, you know, college typically, but, you know, even that was like a bit of a, a shock to the system where it's like, you know, you're like, I just came out of college to where I'm surrounded by college guys um, to then go somewhere to where like, yes, those guys are still there, but like, they're the rookies, you know, like we're the first year guys. Um, obviously we have some like 18 to 19 year old younger guys. Um but to then go from being around high schoolers to then be put into that situation, you know, I think you have to have a lot of, you know, mental maturity, you know, because obviously the physical maturity is going to come along as, you know, you get older and stuff. But like, you know, if you're, you know, mentally mature and strong enough, um, you know, I think that's where, you know, the younger guys really excel when they get the pro ball um, because, you know, Typically, you know, when you're 18 years old, you know, you're not the most mature, you know, as, you know, we've either seen from our friends when we were in high school or, um, and stuff like that. So, 
A, that's already tough enough, right? So I think then to add on the whole, hey, you're going to be a two-way guy, you know, obviously that's a tremendous talent to where, you know, you're able to be both a pitcher and a hitter really, really good. Um, obviously, you know, the first round expectations is already pressure to begin with. Um, I've only seen a, a cock. There's a guy in indie ball um, who I was playing with who was a two way. Um, and it was a little different because he was a reliever and then our, like our, uh, and an outfielder for us. So like with Shohei, for example, like obviously he's good enough to be a starter. So like you can kind of fit around like, okay, he's going to hit and then he's going to play DH and then he's going to start. Whereas like the reliever, it was kind of like, oh, he's kind of like scripted in the games, I guess. Um, but from what like I saw him do, and at least, and again, this is just indie ball, it's definitely a lot more structured and um, rigorous in affiliate minor league ball that, you know, he gets thrown in for the day or like he'd warm up with the position guys, he'd still hit. And then he get it thrown in for the day as a pitcher. And if he needed a side, he'd kind of go through that. But, yeah, I mean, the from what I remember in affiliate ball, especially, like, at the complex and stuff, like, hitters are doing stuff almost 24-7, right? Because they got to go hit. They got to go play defense. They got to work on their craft. Then they got to go in games. They got to, you know, get the game reps. But then on top of that, then they got to throw bullpens. Um, yeah, I think, obviously – you know, Shohei's kind of, you know, changing the game and, you know, which is awesome. There's going to be a lot of guys that grow up and they want to be a two-way. Um, and who knows, maybe the training is going to change so that they can kind of do that more seamlessly without doing the, you know, nine-hour workday because you got to do both hitting and pitching, mm. right? Um, but, no, I mean, I think it just kind of proves that, you know, people – are, you know, kind of, you know, not growing athletically because there's always been, you know, phenomenal athletes, you know, in the world. But I think it's kind of like pushing past that boundary where, like, you know, you only have to be yeah. one or the other, right? Now, are we, are we ever going to see a guy be a first-line center and then a goalie every third day? Probably not. But, you know, baseball kind of, you know, has that unique opportunity to where – you know, yeah, you can have a guy, you know, DH and hit three hole and then also be your eighth. You know, and I, I think that's a testament to obviously Shohei because that's, you know, absolutely unbelievable. Um, but yeah, no, I think it kind of, you know, pushes the boundaries that, you know, like, you know, let athletes be athletes. And if they can pitch and they can hit, let them do both. I love it. Let athletes be athletes. That's a good note to close it out on. Brandon, thank you so much for doing this. And, of course, we are all pulling for you. Uh, go make North Vancouver. Go make the lower mainland and make Canucks fans uh, proud, buddy. Thank you for doing this. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me on, Claude. It's been a pleasure.